It's a beautiful Sunday back here with Factor Fantasy. It's Chase and Josh coming at you again here to finally close out Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban where today we're going to be tackling the differences between the film and the novel. So Chase, greet the people and uh, tell them a little bit about what we're doing today. Hello, people. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sunday fun day, guys. <laughs> yeah, good stuff, man. It, uh, we're about to tackle the differences between the book and the film um you know when i first watched it i was like this film is a lot better than the other two but then i went back to watch it and uh it's about on the same level <laughs> i rank it a little bit higher i don't know what about you jay nelly the thing is is like it's crazy because if you watch the film without reading the book it can i can see why people would enjoy it but then it's like what we do is we go right from reading the book to watching the film so we can write down the differences and so when you do that it's all fresh in your head what the book was and then when you try to see what you read in the book on the screen and it's just like leaving everything out it just leaves you disappointed so you know i mean it's a fine film it's just tough uh when they miss out on a lot of really cool key aspects of what made the book great yeah. so yeah i mean I think there was a couple moments that were enjoyable, more so than in Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, if we're talking film-wise, but again, this one, could st I mean, we're going to talk about it, but it jumps right out immediately in a plot hole. Like, that's the, the very first thing we see on the screen, is oh, most, just a straight plot definitely. hole, and then yeah. at the very end, just completely different, too. It's just... Uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting one to tackle, so... But what I am excited about, to be honest, is that getting through the end of Prisoner of Azkaban, now we're going to be getting into the really big, thick books. And we're going to we're, we're going to see what me, you and I are made of, right? Because when we tackled <laughs> our other biggest arc, Game of, Game of Thrones, we did take a little bit of the book. But, I mean, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we focus my, like mainly on the show. Where here in Harry Potter, we're focusing mainly on the books. Now we're going to be getting into those big you know, thick suckers, right? <laughs> and so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what you and I are, are able to do and how we handle tackling the biggest uh, that the franchise has to offer coming up on us, right? Obviously, Order of the Phoenix is bigger than Goblet, but Goblet still still uh, got a lot of detail. It's a big book. It's got, I think we said, 37 chapters in it where, you know, Prison of Azkaban here ends at 22 chapters. So significant difference, but I think you and I are up to the challenge. What do you think? Uh, I know we're up to the challenge, <laughs> and uh, I mean, we proved it with Game of Thrones, and the reason, guys, we've talked about this before on the show, the reason we did Game of Thrones that way is because, you know, one, wins a winner isn't even out yet in Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Two, I feel like most of the audience that has followed Game of Thrones has followed it through the TV show as of right now with the vast majority of audiences, whereas Harry Potter, we've talked about this before, it's really almost backwards like i feel like the real following for harry potter is the books like that's the true fan following that was massive i mean the movies definitely you know it added more people that's for sure but i still feel like the true fan base uh saw it because they saw the books like people weren't just seeing like oh there's a werewolf movie something about harry potter i think i'll just go check it out because it's like in the middle of it and jump into it. Like most of them have at least read something in the books, right? Um, but yeah, we're, we were looking at the schedule uh, last week and we were like, we're about to find out what we're made of, man. <laughs> so uh, that's good stuff. But it, And it's kind of like how 
honestly, it's kind of like how Game of Thrones was. Like, I mean, we know Goblet going into your favorite book, you know, it's going up like this. And then my favorite book, Order of the Phoenix, is going to keep going up like this. Then Half-Blood Prince is going to kind of take a dip down. And then just like we thought, where we thought it would keep going down with Game of Thrones, but went back up, we're going to go into Deathly Hallows and it's going to go like this again. So I I don't even think it's going to go down with Half-Blood Prince. Maybe the amount of episodes that we do because it's a smaller book, but there's so much detail in Half-Blood Prince and like new characters appear that we haven't seen before. Uh, extracurricular activities that Dumbledore and Harry were partaking on, the fact that they're <laughs> going to be taking some... You know, there's a lot. I don't want to get too much into it, but I don't even think Half-Blood Prince is going to drop down. I think Half-Blood Prince yeah. is, is one of the biggest climatic moments of the series, too. <laughs> like, it's just... It just oh, doesn't definitely. stop. It just doesn't stop. Yeah. It's crazy. So, Drew, <laughs> it, it's a great point because it's... Even though the book is smaller than Order of the Phoenix... You're not thinking about the full circle moments and and all of that. They don't take a lot of time to explain, but then we'll have to bring up here. So, I mean, it's this is going to be... Uh, this is where we separate, just like Game of Thrones, Josh and I are separating the men from the boys, you know, uh, the Davids from the Goliaths, I guess you could say. So not <laughs> stereotyping boys, but you see the point. This is where uh, the starters are separated from the bench like this is the way it works so and there's been no one i'll tell you this there's been no one that has a podcast no one in this world that has conquered game of thrones and harry potter and all in one season (laughs) there is not we are the ones to do it and there's a reason we're gonna do it so uh you want to go ahead and uh, dive into it in the words of kendrick lamar you know, pull four notes and I dive in. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That was good. Yeah, Same I time. mean, and here's the other thing too. That, I mean, the reason why we do it is because we don't trust anybody else to do it in in a way that uh, really covers as much as you possibly can without sitting there reading the book to the to the audience, right? So <laughs> that's what we're here for. Like that's yeah. why our episodes are the lengths they're at because the details uh, astronomical and it's uh it's only gonna get better from here. But yeah, man, let's uh. Let's give them what they came here to listen for today, which is going to be the differences between the book and the movie, and then we'll give our little uh, our, our rankings of 1 to 10 on both the book and the film, and we'll call it a day for uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, and we're going to meet with you guys next week and start up on the good old goblet, so um, <laughs> I'll start, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll kick it off and start if you don't mind, brother, I'll... Uh, I'll give it's you a little you, cheers, man. a little Malice Malice and chalice, chalice, and then uh, yeah. we'll get rolling, buddy. Cool, let's do it. All right. So we'll do this in the same kind of format that we normally do. We'll do three each and turn it back to the other person. Uh, I kind of like how that's been going, and it, it keeps us both yeah. well engaged. So I, I like that. So uh, I'll start off, and I'll just say, like I, I mentioned it right when we started this episode today, that the movie starts off with a plot hole. Like Harry's saying Lumos Maxima, while he's trying to do his like homework or reading like the chapter in the book underneath his bed sheets, well, you can't do magic outside of school, dummy. Like, well, I don't know how you guys didn't pick up on this. Like, being part of the film, you know that underage magic outside of the school is prohibited. So, how are you gonna sit here and try to pull one over on us? And why like let him do that? And especially in a couple scenes later, when Uncle Vernon's like, "You can't do magic outside of school." After you know, not to give anything away, he does what he does to his aunt. 
So, like, if you were going to have him say that in the film, that tells me you know he can't do magic outside of school, but you started the the movie with him like doing a, a, a charm where he lights up his wand so he can read in the, in the nighttime. So, that's, uh, that upset me. Uh, also in the movie... Like, Aunt Marge just arrives. Like, you know, in the book, it kind of leads up, like, oh, Aunt Marge is going to be coming. We're going to be picking her up. Like, this whole thing. And that's when Harry, like, asks about the Hogsmeade form. Like, hey, listen, you know, if she, we're going to go get her, like, I want to make sure that I can remember all those things. You know, the place where you tell me I'm going to school at, the St. Brutus's, you know, Center for Incurably Criminal Boys or whatever it's called. So that doesn't, number one, that doesn't get brought up. And number two, it's just like she just here you go, knock knock, it's the door. Here's Aunt Marge. Like what? Like where did where did this like setup come from? It just it just didn't. And then um, in the in the movie too, and this was kind of a cool ad. I liked it because it made it seem more difficult for the magical reversal squad to fix it. Aunt Marge actually blew up and she flew outside and like kind of away in the sky in the movie. Where in the book. She just like blew up and felt like and like like uh, gravity like, levitated to the ceiling, and they had to get her off the ceiling, and that's what they were saying there. So, those are three differences I immediately saw and wanted to point out, and it's on to you, brother. Yeah, man. Uh, there's a lot of differences in this film. I mean, the first ones that definitely stick out when it starts, besides the ones you were saying, is one. There's no mention at all that. Uh, Ron's dad won this big grand prize and they go off to Egypt. There is no pocket sneakoscope in the entire film. Uh, Harry never gets the broom kit that Hermione gives him. And Hagrid never gives him the monstrous book of monsters. <laughs> like, never. So those definitely stuck out in my mind. Um, I guess the next one I will mention, you probably have some in between here though. Because the next big ones uh, wind up being... Well, I guess you can say this is a difference. Not really. Um, I guess I like the way the night bus squeezed in between things. But the next big one I have is actually when he meets up with... um, uh, Meets up with Fudge. So if you have anything between there, I'll let you take it away, though. I just have... uh... Looks like I've got three in between there. The first one is like when that dog comes out of Magnolia Crescent and he sees like, you know, who we know. We can say it now because we, we finished our last part of Azkaban last week. So when we see Sirius as you know, him in the Animagus form, like remember in the movie, he like barks and snarls and like is like aggressive towards Harry where like, yeah. remember he said, remember in the letter that Sirius wrote him, he said, I didn't mean to startle you. I just wanted to catch a glimpse of you before I made my journey north. Why in the film right. do they make him seem like nasty and mean? Like that didn't make any sense. So I didn't like that. Then also the dog was small and skinny. Like yeah, you know, we we talked about this how it was portrayed in the book like a monstrous, mm-hmm. enormous like bear-sized yeah. dog. Like I thought that was interesting. And then one thing I did have on the night bus is uh, he does like he doesn't give Stan Shunpike his actual his the, the fake name. Remember in the book he tells Stan he's Neville, and then in the movie he's like, "What'd you say your name was?" And Harry's just like, "I didn't." Like that's it. He doesn't. He doesn't pretend to be Neville like he does in the book. So I thought that was interesting. And then, uh, obviously, the one I've got here too is when Sirius is. Uh, you hear about Sirius Black for the first time on the night bus in the film. But remember, in the book, he actually made an appearance on the Muggle News, and that's where you first hear the name. 
Uh, when you hit, he said like that he's he's gonna be carrying a, a gun, which is like a metal wand that Muggles use to kill each other, right? So right. that just never showed up in the film. They're just like, oh, here he is on the night bus on this little Daily Prophet. But those are the ones I had in between where he meets up with Fudge. So I'll let you go from there. Yeah, uh, when he meets up with Fudge. Um, so the big one I have here is like, I mean, well, there is another small one within the big one. So in the book. He does say you're not taking into the climate harry well in the film he says you're not taking into account a murderers on the loose so like he says that there's a little bit of a difference there um but also uh like he's organized like a book list for harry there well that doesn't happen at all in the book like in the film he already has like harry's book list like set to go um also like harry doesn't even really they really breeze over the fact of like he had to get a room there and stay there and like remember in the book he saw the firebolt there which that comes up much later much later in the film uh so those were just kind of the big ones i wanted to say there um so yeah i'll, I'll let you back to you my man so and also to touch on some of the differences between when like harry met up with fudge uh the very the one that I noticed right away is remember like he got off the night bus and Fudge was the one there waiting for him to get off. Where in the yeah. movie it was Tom the barkeep or whatever his name was, right? right? That's right. So yeah. like like what in the world was that? And then it looked like you know like you said he already had the book list. But remember like he said you'll be boarding tomorrow to Hogwarts in the movie. That's what he said. But in the book he had two weeks. Remember he's like it was the best two weeks he had ever had for summer vacation. And he explored mm-hmm. all of Diagon Alley, got all the stuff himself. Like he went and get, like he didn't have the books done for him. He saw the fireball, like you said. And then, like when uh, when they met up with Ron and Harry, Ron and Hermione all met up. It was completely different too, because uh, remember Ron wanted to go get a rat tonic for Scabbers because he thought Scabbers was feeling ill, and Hermione went with them into that magic like menagerie store, whatever it's called, and she bought Crookshanks there where like all it is is like Harry all of a sudden sees a cat chasing a rat in the leaky cauldron and he looks out over the the balcony and he sees Harry or uh, Ron and Hermione arguing with each other about the cat and the rat it's like they didn't they didn't show Hermione ever obtaining Crookshanks it's just we're just supposed to assume that that happened right. while we weren't paying attention like okay uh-huh. like <laughs> that was really silly um <laughs> Then we that's when we finally see the picture of them in Egypt. We do see the picture of Ron's family in Egypt like once they show it, but Scabbers wasn't on Ron's shoulder like it was like the big reveal later on told it like hey, Ron was holding him in his hands. So like you couldn't see what was important about that picture about the paw on Scabbers. So the the movie just really didn't do that justice at all. And then the last one I have before I'll toss it your way is uh, when Mr. Weasley tells Harry about Sirius Black. Remember when in the book Harry overheard Arthur and Molly like arguing with each other in the room in the Leaky yeah, Cauldron? He didn't right. overhear it. It's just one. Mr. Weasley just grabbed him to the side. He's like, can I talk to you for a second? And then just told him. Like, it's just <laughs> yeah, that was ridiculous. Didn't didn't <laughs> love that. But uh, here you go. You go go for it, man. Those are the ones that I had before we keep the train rolling. Yeah, man. Um, so I did put down. I thought was cool was the frog choir when they got to hogwarts so i did put that there that was a cool little ad they had uh that wasn't in the book of course um 
kind of diving in here. I don't want to go too far. Um, so are are you at the point of the differences and kind of like uh, the classes at all? Or you got more to... Uh, oh, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff before we get into... Are you talking about divination or no? Yeah, divination. Yeah, I've got like... Jump into it. Yeah, I got like three or four differences. And some okay. of them are just like things to point out quickly. Um, Professor Lupin, when he woke up on the bus from the Dementor, like the Hogwarts Express, like, did you remember, like, how he just woke up and just pointed his wand? Like, didn't say a word, just looked at the Dementor, and all of a sudden his wand started shining? Yeah, I did Like, that. that was weird. Yeah, there was that. no <laughs> incantation there. And then also, this is just a, a factual point out, not really a difference. It's just the Dumbledore, we see Dumbledore's actor change after the original one in Chamber of Secrets and Sorcerer's Stone passed away. The guy who originally played Dumbledore. Uh, we see his replacement for the first time right here. And then, um, what about this thing? This is something new that they added, too. They were eating those, like, candies that made them make animal noises. Remember they were, like, eating, like, that uh, ones cool. that made them sound yeah, like, like, like a rhino and, a, and an elephant and a lion. It was very interesting. That was cool. With, like, the smoke coming out of the ears. Yeah, the, the peppermint ears there. And then the last one I'll have before, like, I have divination class starting is there was no Sir Cadigan. Remember Sir Cadigan, the cool painting who, yeah, like, helped them no get... Yeah, Sir Cadigan at all. Yeah, he helped yeah, him, he helped him get great. to the, the divination classroom. Then he ended up taking over for the fat lady later on, and that never happened. Either one of those things never happened in the film. It was just, you know, they happened to be in class all of a sudden. So now that we're at divination class, go ahead and, and uh, tell them what you got. Yeah, so uh, I guess my notes are kind of out of order here all my differences but um because i don't want to mention uh to the point of the big when she has that big foreshadowing moment that's much later on but the fidelis charm like is never even mentioned in the film since we we're talking about spells do you realize that yeah that's true not even mentioned at all so that's kind of like yeah. a big one um which that's not really around this time but uh and of course, like I was saying, the firebolt like is brought up much, much uh, later on there. Um, also, one thing we didn't mention is at the beginning of the novel. Remember, Harry's reading about Wendell the weird, Wendell the weird, which Wendell and the weird, yeah, <laughs> Wendell yeah. and the weird, yeah. So that's not anywhere in there. Instead, like you said, he's cheating, uh, doing his homework with magic that he's not supposed to be doing. That apparently no one ever found out about. Um, but yeah, I'll let you take divination because I think my one on divination was the difference in kind of that little prediction. Well, major. Oh prediction. yeah, that was a big difference. That was, yeah, yeah, that was like that's, that's a crazy one too. Uh, yeah. The one I have in divination class is like Hermione. Like at first, like remember, it's just said in the book that she like felt a little put out when they said like books won't help you much in this class. Like she she opens up going into divination divination for the first time with an open mind. Like she doesn't immediately hate it. Like, when she sits down, like, immediately in the film, she's like, oh, this is a load of rubbish. Like, no, that's not how it happened. Like, you need to build up yeah. to her, you know. Like, it just, like, they just already right away wanted you to get the idea that Hermione hated the class. And, you know, the, a common theme I'm seeing with the films is, like, what they do, they, they do a, a, a Michael Bay type of scenario where, like, the detail isn't important to them, but, like, cool big action and bright shiny things and making so your cute. eyes go wow is what they're really looking for so you know when that yeah. comes up later but you know another di uh, difference here is when we go to the hippogriffs there's only one hippogriff in the movie and it's it's buckbeak but remember that first care of magical creatures class he had a whole paddock full of hippogriffs so that way other people could try to 
mm-hmm. you know, use them. Like they talked about the different colors on each one, and we only saw Buckbeak in the movie. And this is something I did like from the movie better than I liked from the book. In the movie, Buckbeak actually flew over all of the Hogwarts castle and the grounds and the lake, screaming, like skimming yeah. the uh, thing with its talons. Where just in the book, it just flew around the paddock quickly and came back down. So I thought that yeah. was a nice little ad that he was able to go explore around the battlements and the towers and the lake, and it was it was really cool. So I I appreciated that one part from the movie a little bit better than the book. There's not many things I'll no, not many times I'll say that, uh, but that, <laughs> that was one of them. And um, the last one uh, before I'll, I'll send it your way is Malfoy. He didn't charge Buckbeak like he did in the movie. Remember, like like when Harry got yeah. back down, like he like ran up to it. Like that didn't happen in the book. Like he bowed to the hippogriff. And pet it, and then he's like, "Well, if Potter could do it, I figure it can't be so hard." You great ugly brute, and that's when uh, the hippogriff, you know, Buckbeak attacked him. It's not that he didn't just rush him right away and do that. So that was that just made Mal- they portrayed Malfoy poorly in that in that aspect. And then, um, yeah, I'll let you uh, have some of the the ones you got from there. Yeah. Um, so of course, one of the big ones I have is all Transfiguration classes are just cut. Yeah, there's not like, one. That's not, not there's one. There's not one. Time. Never. Like, not one time do they go to a Transfiguration class. And um, do you know why that's important? Is because that's where Animaguses are first mentioned in the book. Professor McGonagall is an Animagus, and she's showing how she can change from, like, a cat into a... a, a from a person into a cat. Like, you gotta put that in there. <laughs> Absolutely huge, yeah. Um, did want to say this, because it was one difference I had on the night bus before... The shrunken heads was like kind of a cool ad by the film. I thought it was interesting because it's never really described in the book, but I guess it's like a interesting ad because I guess you can say like voodoo, <laughs> voodoo magic. I guess. Um, uh, then from there, uh, are you at the Quidditch match yet by any chance? Have you, uh, I didn't want to. No, I've got a lot between then and the Quidditch match. I got like the first defense against the Dark Arts uh, class and like the differences there. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, good stuff. I'll let you take the those classes then. Yeah. So. You got those. So I have like again, and throughout this whole, I don't. I, I I haven't watched all the movies like in order yet, so I can't say he doesn't appear. But I don't believe he appears. Don't quote me on it, but. Peeves just has not made an appearance yet in the movies, and I don't think he makes one at all during the whole movies. I could be wrong, but remember when Peeves like was making fun of Lupin, and Lupin like put the wad of gum up his nostril. Mm-hmm. Like there, the, that was like the first really cool Professor Lupin moment that made people start to like warm up to him instead of being like, oh, he's just like a poor teacher. Like I don't know what to think about this guy. And then he did like the wadawasi, and he made like the gum shoot up into his nose in the book, and it's just there's none of that happened. It just went straight to like the bogger. And then from there, like, I, on in the book, when Ron faced the Boggart, he made it so the spiders didn't have any legs, and, like, it rolled over with no legs, where in the movie, it was kind of funny. They made it, like, a little extra funny. It had them all on, like, roller skates. He, like, the, the spider was, like, tripping over the roller blades or roller skates, whatever you call them. And then the other difference I have, too, is the Boggart actually took the Dementor's form when it stood in front of Harry in the movie, where he didn't even let Harry near it in the book like before yeah, like he called true. everyone's yeah, name up and one. he just he just left mm-hmm. harry's name off of it in the book so that was just yeah. really interesting one thing i another thing i like better that they did in the movie that they didn't do in the book is professor lupin actually they were when they were talking like on that little bridge he was he was fondly recalling great memories of harry's parents 
and because he knew them very well. And when I say this, he was talking about Lily Potter, or I guess Lily Evans is what her maiden name was back then. So he was talking about how you know great and kind she was, how she you know took pity on you know poor souls who needed help, and like you know. So I just thought that was nice. It it, it would probably make Harry feel good to hear, hear stories like that about his parents, where we don't hear a ton of those in the book. So I thought that was a nice addition by the movie. And uh, now I'm at the part before we get to the the Quidditch. Um, when Argus Filch finds the fat lady in the hippo painting, and they have to search. And remember, like, so this is in the movie. This is in the movie where yep. Filch finds yeah. the fat lady in the hippo painting. Where remember, mm-hmm. she was like, they had to go search the castle for the fat lady, like in all the paintings, trying to figure out where she was. Uh, and you know, Peeves is the one in the book that told Dumbledore it was Sirius Black, where the fat lady herself, but hiding behind the hippo told them that it was serious black <laughs> and again like we didn't get any mention of sir cadigan who actually filled in for her post and was the person like we didn't get any of the passwords like him losing the passwords crookshanks bringing the passwords to serious like we got yeah, none we of that of it was just straight garbage man gosh <laughs> i don't then, know if i would put it as that far but yeah uh, it just made me mad disappointing aspect <laughs> He said straight garbage. <laughs> like, these, these, these are things that are so important, wow. though. Like that's how he was able to get into the thing. Like, and you know, not to get too far ahead of us, but another difference. Remember, like Sirius Black went over Ron with a knife in the in the dormitory, and that never happens either. You ha- like he breaks into the door. You have to add these things. These are not small details <laughs> you can just forget about. Like, are you kidding yeah, me? Ugh, frustrates me. And then the last one I have before I get to the the, the one I've got for Quidditch is like when uh. Um, Professor Snape takes over that Defense Against the Dark Arts class for Professor Lupin. Yeah, he said, can you tell me the difference between an animagus and a werewolf in the movie? Where in the book he just mm-hmm. says, like, a real wolf and a werewolf. So this is where their, their like, little pseudo-foreshadow of animagus came from was here. But it's kind of silly because you could have done that with Transfiguration when Professor McGonagall shows you how she transforms from a person into a cat that you've shown us in Sorcerer's Stone at the very beginning of the movie. So why couldn't yeah. you do it here? I just thought it was very silly to have it, like him mention it in casual passing. Like, what's the difference between an animagus and a werewolf? Like, stupid. But um, 100%. Yeah, and then 100%. He, this last one I have here is they all yell. Remember when, when uh, Snape calls her like an insufferable know-it-all? In the book, they yeah. all like take Hermione's side. They're all like, "Oh, screw you, Snape!" Like they all like they all yeah. start yelling at him. Like, well, if you don't like, don't ask questions you don't want the answer to. Then like, she knows the answer. Like, why are you getting mad? Where like in the movie, Ron's like, "Well, he has a point." Like, like right. what in the world? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, like Ron was, was pissed about that. And yeah, in like, the book. Yeah. And then in the movie, he's like, "Well, Snape's got a point, you know." Why? <laughs> like, what in the world, man? That never happened. That's just not never true. Happened. And then that's where I, I at the first Quidditch match with the Thunder and all the Lightning. So I'll let you go from there, bro. Yeah. Uh, two big ones here. I mean, I, one's really big. The other one uh, isn't that big of a deal. First one is, like, he already has goggles in the film. So yeah. I remember when, in the book, Hermione casts a spell that says, like... Impervious. Uh, yeah, the impervious charm, too. Impervious, yeah. yeah. That's what it was. To make sure the rain like went off his glasses, which that's another plot hole I talked about. How his glasses stay on, but um, but that's a big difference there. So I guess maybe that helped the film a little. But then where <laughs> where they don't help redeem themselves. So in the book, like Harry sees the shadow of the silhouette of the wolf in in the like stands. Remember, it's like in the stands of crap. 
He like randomly sees it in like the clouds yeah. in the film. Like it's just in the clouds for some reason. And not to mention, like they cut this entire scene out where like Malfoy and all of them are dressed up in hoods. And remember, he shot I call it the crappy Expector Patronum, even though I know you got respect for it. Uh, that's just cut out entirely. Like no one cares. You know uh, what? At all. You know what else and is Cedric cut out? Diggory's not there. <laughs> there you go. That's what <laughs> I was gonna say. He's just not there. Not there. Like I don't know if that was like a casting problem or they just plain old couldn't get him or something. I have no idea. Which I guess that might have even changed the whole aspect for Robert Patterson. Maybe he wouldn't have even been there if they got someone for that movie. But yeah, just cut him out entirely, and he's like the biggest part of their team. So, uh, yeah, and I'll let you take it uh, take it from there, man. Oh, and one little thing about the Quidditch thing real quick. Um, in the film, like, as Harry's falling off the broom, Dumbledore goes, Let's so memento, which I've never heard that spell before in my life. But in the book, it, like, just describes that, that it happened. And then, of course, they feel like they got a good Dumbledore, like, his moment. <laughs> like, as Harry's, like... Pulling a Iron Man, Tony Stark falling like in Avengers One off this broom, just so Dumbledore can come in last minute to save the day. You know what so. that kind of reminded me of? It reminded me of when in Lord of the Rings, when Gandalf and Sauron were arguing over the uh, mountains, like they were both trying to cast counter curses so they could go past. <laughs> like before they went to the Mines of Moria, when they were trying to cross over the mountains. And he's like yelling out into the like that's what it sounded like to me like when Dumbledore got up and like said that like charm I'm like all right Gandalf I was like hundred percent so I thought that was funny that's awesome also the other thing I got too is like the seeker that played for the uh, Hufflepuff in this film like obviously because it wasn't Cedric Diggory he got struck by lightning. <laughs> When did that ever happen? <laughs> like, what, what? What in the world what? is that, man? Like, in fact, I, the seeker won them the game. So that's like, kind of like a big part of it. Didn't make any sense. Like a big part of it. Also, can we focus on I the fact that it. Oliver Wood just wasn't in the film? Oliver Wood, the guy who's got won this <laughs> last his last final chance. This is his final year at Hogwarts to win the Quidditch Cup. He's just not in the movie. He <laughs> would just get out of the Sorry, movie, man. boy. Unbelievable! Cuts this year, we can't be hiring no Robert Patterson, and you know, since we're on the you know budget cuts this year, Mister Wood, you can go ahead and just see you later. Never, <laughs> you ain't gonna be making it this year. Absolutely ridiculous! <laughs> and then, like they, of course, they have to over dramatize stuff in the movie. I can understand it; it's still something that I notice as a difference. But remember, in the book, it said he like he fell fifty feet from his broom. Well, in the movie, yeah. they made the point to say it was over a hundred feet, like you it know. Was. So it was like, yeah. literally like that Iron Man moment. It really <laughs> it was. was. It really was. Um, then after that, you know, another difference I have is like every time he seems to be talking with Professor Lupin, because like this is when he decides to ask Professor Lupin for help in defending against the Dementors. Like they're walking all over the Hogwarts grounds, like. Why, why did you add that? Like, I, I guess, but, like, all these times he's asking for help, they're all in Lupin's office in the book. Like, here they're just exploring Hogwarts grounds. They're off in the forest. Hedwig showing up there looking nice and snowy. Like, what in the world, man? And then the last one I'm going to take before I give it back to you, because this one really frustrated me. 
Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Fred and George see footprints in the snow, and they know where to grab Harry by the arm underneath the invisibility cloak. Remember, oh, they led Harry God. away into the oh, other room. Man. They just picked him up by the invisibility cloak because they can just know exactly where he's at, apparently. And they put him into the room, and that's when they give him the Marauders map because he was trying to sneak into Hogsmeade using the invisibility cloak. He never did that in the in the book. He never tried to just sneak into Hogsmeade by going out the doors in his invisibility cloak. So oh, I got I, I, some big problems with this. Oh, <laughs> I so got bad. Some big problems. It's terrible. Uh, first, real quick, um, we mentioned this. You know, the firebolts brought up different. There's no firebolt suspicion in the film. No firebolt at all. Like no Christmas. There's no Christmas in the no film. No Christmas. No Christmas. <laughs> what happened to the holidays? First of all, they ain't no Christmas. We don't have no Halloween. No Halloween because Halloween's nothing. the night when like the fat lady thing happened with the with the cutting of the yeah. What's it called? Like, where was that? I don't Nowhere. recall that at all. Maybe it was a quick Halloween. Yeah. Was a little quickie in. <laughs> I guess. No idea, man. No idea. Just left uh, everything yeah, out. I didn't even see Crab and Goyle <laughs> doing their thing at all. Uh, Ron and Hermione's argument about Scabbers and Crookshanks, by the way, too, is very downplayed. Like, very downplayed yeah. in this film. Like, they said it, like, once. Yeah. Like, like, on the way to Hagrid's hut later on. Um, so that was a big issue I had. Going back to Hogsmeade, here we go. So, on top of this, major plot hole. Major plot hole. Yes. Because in the book, he goes to that shop where he suspects that Ron and Hermione might be to go find them when he gets to Hogsmeade, right? When he gets there, he finds them at the shop. Then they all go together overhear the stuff going on with Hagrid and Fudge where they hear the rumors about Sirius Black. Harry just randomly shows up there and like the leaky cauldron like or wherever he was like listening in on all of them for for no reason at all. Then like you said coming back to your point here with the invisibility cloak runs off to the middle of the good lord only knows where and somehow because I'm, I'm just, like, guessing it's because he was crying like a bitch. Like, for some reason, he had that ridiculous, stupid-ass line that was like, When I find him, I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna kill him. Okay, you're 13. We'll see exactly what you do. And I guess that's how Hermione, in my mind, that's the only way they could find him. Because he was crying so loud. But why is it he runs off into the middle of nowhere with an invisibility cloak and they can just find him? Well, like, the, no matter the, where he is. The thought process was is because you could see the footprints of where his foot were stepping in the snow. So okay, that's like, that's how they could find his like area. But there's so many things wrong with this Hogsmeade thing. Like the whole Hogsmeade thing it should just be <laughs> balled up in a piece of paper and thrown in the trash bin, bro. Like they did this thing Awful. all wrong. Oh Awful. my gosh. Uh, also, the just throwing this out there, the like, um, it was like the one-eyed witch statue that like they would use to get the he would use to get to Hogsmeade. Like none of that is ever there at all. Like he just walks down a tunnel, almost like they built some invisible passageway where you just walks. It literally looked like you were walking into Galaxy's Edge. How they had a little tunnel there in Disney World. That's what Harry did. Like, it was, like, 10 feet away. Like, he could walk into the next room, and he's at Hogsmeade. So, uh, yeah, I'll let you take it away, man. Yeah, so for that one, they did tell him, like, the friend George did tell him about where the passage was, but, like, it was really severely underplayed when they were going through all the seven different passages. They just left out all of them except the, that one they mentioned <laughs> briefly. Yeah. And you didn't even really see it. You just kind of see him 
opened up like the thing underneath like uh, Honey Dukes or whatever it was. Yeah, the, the sweet shop, right? So yeah, the sweet shop. Yeah. This whole thing, like, let me. I just, I'm so mad. I had to like, I couldn't even write down all the differences here because I just hated the Hogsmeade thing all so much. So Hermione and Ron apparently were just out gazing at the Shrieking Shack in the movie. They were just out there, even <laughs> though in the in the book they were in Honeydukes wondering if Harry would like certain types of sweets, which is where Harry came up and found them in Honeydukes, right? That's how it happened right. in the book. So here, Harry, uh, Hermione and Ron are out there. Then Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle go and accost Ron and Hermione, and that's when Harry throws a snowball or whatever and gets them all riled up and they run away, thinking it's like, uh, uh, a ghost Harry's head never pops out and they don't freak out they don't go tell Snape like they're supposed to like you know what I mean and like he doesn't oh, get yeah. in trouble 100%. and like all of that's just gone from the, the book like because remember in the book it was just Harry and Ron out there because like when he went back in she because of the Christmas thing of him getting the firebolt that never showed up in the movie Hermione and Harry and Ron were all kind of at odds with her, each other. Like, at least Harry and Ron mm-hmm. were together, but they were mad at Hermione because of the Crookshanks and Scabbers thing. Yeah. And then another thing we didn't get, we didn't get the whole Hagrid talking to Harry and Ron and being like, hey, you know what? I thought your friendship was worth more than a broomstick and a rat. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like we didn't, that was a really yeah. cool emotional moment that we could have really used. But going, you know, I, I, I digress, right? Let me go back to all the other stuff they messed up, right? So we're in Hogsmeade, and then... When we talk about when Harry learns about Sirius Black from Fudge and Rose Merida and Flitwick and Hagrid and all them, like, remember they were already in the Three Broomsticks just going to get a drink for themselves and they had to move, like, the tree in front so when they came in they didn't see them? Well, all of a sudden, like, they all go to Three Broomsticks and Harry has to use Invisibility Cloak to follow. Then the Shrunken Heads kick Hermione and Ron out. I don't know where that came from. And then, like, they're in this, like, se- they're in this secret room talking about all these things that happened. And, like, Harry just storms out, and that's when he goes and runs and cries. The thing. Like, all of it is just so wrong. It's not good. It's not a great alternative. It is so bad. It's the cringy. The crying thing got me. It Ugh. reminded me of Tobey Maguire when he went gothic in Spider-Man 3. That's exactly just... what it was. It's so uh, sad. It's so bad. It's so it was bad. really sad, and then I had like the same thing. You like Harry threatens to kill him, which I thought was really stupid. Um, I'm gonna kill him. Yeah. Okay. Then like <laughs> right. when remember when he finally decided like, he was fighting that bogger with uh, Professor Lupin. He's like, man, that was some Dementor, and Lupin's like, no, dude, that was a bogger, not a real Dementor. Like, he never mistaked the Dementor for a bogger in the book. That yeah, just makes him look right. really, yeah, makes him look really dumb. And then also in the movie, he never heard James's voice. Remember, like, he was hearing his mom's voice over and over again, and then eventually, the, the second time he failed in Lupin's presence, he hears his dad's voice, and he tells Lupin, Lupin's like, you heard James? Like, that never happened, and that's really important, because, you know, it continues on to the friendship that Lupin had with Harry's dad as kids growing up. No, none mm-hmm. of it. He, like, the, like, the mentioning of hearing James's voice just never happened. His parents talking to him? Nope. Not at all. He heard his mom Not screaming, and that was it. Definitely. It was just screams. Remember, he was starting to hear like voices and words more and more as it played on. It just no, we're just gonna leave that out. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> just whatever. Let the whole thing out. Let the whole. Thing. By the way, that's... let's talk about this since you brought it up. Yeah. Why, in your right mind, if you're training in this, you've specifically gone to Lupin to have him help train you. Why in your right mind do you think he would keep an actual Dementor in the wardrobe? Not to mention you just had class where Boggart's come out of wardrobe. 
I don't know. He's an idiot. <laughs> like, I, just like <laughs> doesn't make any the sense. The writing of that just doesn't make it didn't make sense in the movie. I don't know why they did it. Like, and then this is the next big thing that is real big trash. Like, this is a whole dumpster fire. <laughs> Harry, Harry sees Peter Oof. Pettigrew's name on the Marauders map in the movie. What yeah. in the world? And then he goes out and tries to follow it. And that's when Snape catches him in the middle of the hallway. And that's when he's got to give up the Marauders map. Like, um, that's not what happened at all. Like, like, at like, all. literally, Snape found him coming back from Hogsmeade, made him go into the office, and was like accosting him there. That's when he found out the map, and the map was insulting Snape. And that's when he called Lupin in through the fireplace and all of that. Like, it never happened because he saw Peter Pettigrew's name on the map. And then. On top of that, like if you're gonna do that, whatever, I think it's still dumb. But then Harry tells Professor Lupin that he saw Peter Pettigrew's name. That just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Like yeah. it's just not. That is not what happened at all. I'll let you take it from there because that just really makes you mad. Like they just are adding things that don't make sense, and they're trying to make their own story. Like, don't call it Harry Potter then. Call it freaking you know, Harold. <laughs> Her- Her- Harold Weasel, Harry, and then Harry yeah, like, I don't know, man. That's what we're watching today, Harry Potter. Just, it's what it, I felt it, like it, I was watching. <laughs> like honestly, I mean, like, like I didn't like it, but about, yeah, yeah. No, bringing up a point you were saying, aiding you, like where was the invisibility cloak Snake was wearing to hide and go there? Like people were just watching him walk down this tunnel up to the Shrieking Shack. Like no one's gonna say anything. When he's all the way in Hogsmeade walking up to the Shrieking Shack, like, none of the villagers outside are going to be like, oh my word, I can't believe he's walking up to the Shrieking Shack. Like, nobody's going to, nothing. There's no invisibility cloak there. Also, when Snape catches Harry coming back, there's no acknowledgement of, like, his father or any of that sort of interaction. Like, that big joke and the whole reason the Whomping Willow was, like, built never even referenced like no point in referencing that we just love big ass trees we're tree people apparently we uh nothing wrong with trees nothing wrong with them but apparently we like to build big ass trees that kill people just because we like to watch fucking trees kill people excuse my language i don't understand um let's see so then are we at the big prediction yet? Yeah, that's exactly where we're at. Okay. Um, do you want to take that one or do you want me to take it? No, I want you to take it. Okay. I didn't want to steal your thunder or anything. So the big one I have here is so in the novel, Professor Trelawney like, makes the prediction before the divination final. But in the film, they make it look like Harry's returning some crystal ball to her class. For what reason? Like, why did he take that? Because Hermione, like, yeah, Hermione, like, threw the ball. Like, she, that's when she stormed out and threw the crystal ball off the table and just walked out. And so, in the the movie, that never happened in the book, to your point. It never happened. Like, so that was their way of, yeah, because it was after the final. Like, after he finished his final, that's when he was about to get up and leave and she went into that trance. Where here, it's just, hey, let me bring this crystal ball back. Oh, now you're predicting something. What the fuck? Right exactly uh another one we didn't mention at the hogsmeade thing because it can technically come up later but like sirius uh or sorry in the film harry finds out that sirius is his godfather when they're in was it three broomsticks or no leaky cauldron wherever they were getting uh butter beers yeah three broomsticks yeah the three broomsticks three brooms i never know what age these wizards drink 13 (laughs) 18 
<laughs> yeah, when they're spying on, uh, you know, Hagrid and McGonagall and Rosemurta and Fudge, that's when he finds out, like, Sirius is his, like, godfather. Uh, well, no, 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 not his god. Is that, he, like, no, that's when, uh, so, because he gets the letter from Sirius later on, right? But, um, I guess when he, in the film, that's what I mixed up, sorry. So, in the film... He finds out that's when Sirius is like his godfather. Like they're talking about it, right? In the book is when like he gets that letter at the end and finds out all that stuff. Well, he so, no like, he he found out right? in, in the same spot. No, he found out in the book too that it was his godfather. Like um, okay, was that the same spot? I so. Yeah, I think it's I the same remember. spot there. I was thinking it was yeah. different. Um, okay, I mean I mean that could be the case. I just thought like. Um, Okay, I was thinking maybe that was a difference, but okay. So credit to them, good to them. Hey, see, they caught me on one. Um, well, good for them, because we got other things we can blast them on. Oh, we got plenty. <laughs> can we no, focus? We got plenty of things. Um, but see, I thought in in the novel, remember when he tells the area's grand his godfather, right? Um, he didn't. Is so he found out there. I just want to make sure I'm corrected on this. So I, I thought it was like the letter or something. Or no, he told him that I thought when they got like, uh, sorry, the film has me all confused. Um, Cause I have in the novel, Sirius tells Harry, tells him he is his godfather. But I thought in the film they were talking about at Hogsmeade that Sirius was his godfather is what I thought. So yeah, they that's what exactly. They they cuz I'm actually at the I got the book here in front of me and I'm reading that part right now. I'm I'm at the part where they they're talking about uh James using Black as the secret keeper. I'm trying to figure I'm trying to like come across where it says that he's the godfather though. Let's see. Oh, you're fine. Yeah, right here. Then they named him God yeah, page 204. Uh she said, "You would have thought Black and Potter were brothers," chimed in Professor Flitwick, "inseparable." Of course they were, said Cornelius Fudge. Potter trusted Black beyond all his other friends. Nothing changed when they left school. Black was the best man when James married Lily. Then they named him Godfather to Harry. Okay. Harry okay, has no so idea, is... of course. You can imagine how they... Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so that is a... So, so he does fi- so... He does find out at the same time, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so, okay. I'll, um, I'll give him that one. Point one for the film crew. Point one. Uh, right now it's a blowout (laughs) oh yeah um and then just a a little tiny one uh remember in like the film when harry plays that trick like the reason they notice it's harry doing all that stuff which i'm sure they assumed was he's like bouncing hermione's like pigtails because and she's like harry and he like just rips (laughs) off the invisibility cloak i mean i guess that's an okay ad like i'm okay with it I'm okay with it, I will say. <laughs> like, I didn't think it was great, but I'm okay with it. I'll let you take it from there, man. Yeah, I, I wanted them to throw that... They needed to redo that whole Hogsmeade like, thing because they never went to no secret room. Harry wasn't there by himself. Ron and Hermione heard everything Harry heard. Ron, Harry never ran off into the dang woods and started crying on a tree stump. Like, this is just the most ridiculous stuff. Uh, but another <laughs> thing that we met, we got mentioned, too... Uh, guess who else just didn't make an appearance who plays an important role, especially in the next two books? Cho Chang. Harry meets Cho Chang yeah, for the first time because right. she's the Ravenclaw Seeker. Dude, not only yeah. that, we don't even get we don't even get the Quidditch 
like the Quidditch Cup final. We don't, <laughs> don't get, get the, like, the, the most. Any we don't it. get the dirtiest any game ever played. We get that one little bit of Harry fall off the broom against Hufflepuff. But let's don't remember in the book they also played Ravenclaw and they played Slytherin for the World, for, not the World Cup, the Quidditch Cup for Hogwarts. And like we didn't get either of those matches. You okay? I can get it. I can forgive you for not putting in the Ravenclaw match. Maybe that would cost too much in the budget. It's just an additional Quidditch match. It's not important. But the Quidditch Cup final the is cup? super important. It's the dirtiest match ever played. It's Harry versus Malfoy, Gryffindor versus Slytherin, Oliver Wood's last chance to win the Quidditch Cup in his whole entire career at Hogwarts. You just can't <laughs> leave that out, bro. And like keep in mind, that's when he's able to first use a fireball because he finally gets a fight. Like in the book, he gets a fireball at Christmas time. Hermione tells on him. McGonagall takes it, doesn't let him have it back. Finally, he gets it back just in time to play against Slytherin. So like. What in the world? Or I'm sorry, no, he had it in time to play against Cho Chang. That's right. You know, he got it against time to play against Ravenclaw. But still, he he played one of the craziest Quidditch matches. They had to win by a hundred and something, like hundred and seventy points to mm-hmm. take over them. They couldn't just win the game. They had to make sure they were up seventy before Harry could uh, finish the game. Like there was so many intricate parts of that you don't just leave that out of the film. It's like leave leave the other one out. If you're gonna leave one out, you don't you can't mess up the Quidditch Cup final like that's crazy they just didn't include it like you don't uh, they were like well if we are able to cut Cedric and we can cut Oliver Wood you know what let's just cut out the rest of the Quidditch matches let's cut everything out crazy (laughs) just leave it just drop it cut Oliver Wood one of the best matches ever having a cup honestly not gonna have it next seriously so It's oh, it's ridiculous, That's and then when to talk, you know, to bring back that thing about Professor Trelawney and how like you know she was administering her final to Harry, and then like afterwards, that's when she comes in the trance. Where like you said, this one is when Hermione walked out. He went to go give her the crystal ball back to be a good student. Be like, hey, she kicked this down the hall. Here you go. And then she's like, the Dark Lord. And like she just goes into her yeah. trance there, like standing up and holding his arm, where she was sitting down with her eyes rolled in in the book. It's just. I don't know, man. They they wanted to. They took too many liberties. Um, one thing I thought was cool, I liked in the movie better than the book, is like she actually punched Hermione punched Malfoy in the face in the movie, yeah, where she just smacked cool. him in the book. So I like I liked her decking him in the in the face. I thought I that was like pretty that. cool. Oh, it was good. Uh, was in awesome. the movie, Hagrid just handed Ron scabbers. Like he just opened up and be like, "Here you go, Ron. By the way, here's your rat." Like he <laughs> just he like like remember found like Hermione it. found it behind the milk jug in the book. Where in yeah. the in the movie Hagrid had like kept him like he's like oh I found him here here you go Ron I figured you want this back what <laughs> like what in the world and also let's keep in mind when they went to visit Hagrid about the Buckbeak thing they were wearing the invisibility cloak in the book they did not use the invisibility cloak at all at that point in time they just walked out the back door with all three of them just lollygagging around with no concealment whatsoever even though they know they could get in trouble if they're spotted so thought that was ridiculous also them throwing like the snail shells or the rocks to get their attention like i didn't want to mention this yet because that kind of goes when we go back in time when remember like they're just sitting in hagrid's like hut and all of a sudden like a shell hits the clay pot and then another shell hits harry in the back of the head like yeah and they, that gets him out of there like that that's an added thing that they never had to do but uh then also like really we didn't have any really important part of crookshanks Crookshanks you saw for one quick second at the very beginning of the movie when he got him in the leaky cauldron and we never saw him again. 
Why is that important? Well, he's the one that touches the knot to make the Whomping Willow stop moving so they could go down below. That was crazy. Ron doesn't break his leg on the tree root. He may make it seem like because Sirius was carrying him by his jaws that that's what damaged his leg. Where he snapped his leg clean in like half when he tried to hook himself around the root and not get pulled down under. Thought that mm -hmm. was stupid. Uh, you know, Hermione grabs Harry one-handed and throws him through the tunnel. Remember that? Like yeah. instead of instead of the knot on them pressing the knot on the Whomping Willow, she like they get like attacked by it and then all of a sudden she's swinging on it and she's like holding herself on the tree branch. Then she grabs Harry one-handed and throws him into the tunnel. What in the world was that? She was like, like riding on it like a horse or something. Riding on it like how a horse. How well were you able to do that? How is Hermione grabbing Harry by the scruff of his neck one-handed like she's freaking <laughs> Superman and then launching him into the tunnel? How does That doesn't even make any sense. We don't get Crookshanks here. We Like, like Crookshanks is supposed to be the one that darts in and out and puts it, like, the, her paw on his paw on the knot and freezes it. And then that's the next thing I think is just Snape just arrived with no invisibility cloak. He just walked up the steps like it was all cool, man. It did, they just did it so wrong. They just did it so, so wrong. Then I have, like, only, in, in the movie, only Harry is the one that disarms Snape. Instead of all three of them doing it at the same time and knocking that, him yeah. clean out. It's like, mm -hmm. he does it just himself and he falls on the bed and, like, in what world does a, a, a disarming charm knock someone out? Remember, they even did it in the dueling club. It just did not. Remember they did it to Gilderoy Lockhart in, in uh, Chamber of Secrets? He said, Expelliarmus, and then he, like, the, the wand just went to him and Gilderoy Lockhart didn't blast into the dang wall and like pass out. It just didn't have his wand. Now all of a sudden this movie, well now you get knocked out. Okay, it and made. Let's bring up. Oh sorry. Yeah no good. You. Yeah that's why that's the point I was just finishing on. Go for it. Oh I was just gonna say let's bring up the fact it's a thirteen year old child against one of the top potions professors in the world. Oh absolutely. <laughs> what? Talented in the dark arts of, of professional dueling too. Like yeah like yeah okay one-on-one -on -one? uh okay it shouldn't have knocked him out at all like that was so like all three of them doing it at the same time i get it he wasn't he wouldn't have been paying attention for it and all those like simultaneously like hitting him i could understand that like it did in the books in the movie harry says expelliarmus and snape's out for 20 minutes okay sounds yeah. good <laughs> and like in the books here's the thing i could buy it in the books because at the same time snape i don't think is trying to attack children like maybe he can't deflect three like like wasn't expecting it first of all yeah he wasn't and expecting three it. people at once like it's hard to deflect that i would imagine like 100%. three spells at once when you're not expecting it like a 13 year old child like just shoots you with a a spell that you taught in the dueling club and you're one of the top professors that uh, not to mention like you taught the dueling club to this kid like in the world I just don't buy it. Like, yeah, no. I don't buy it at all. I think Snape could have deflected that easily. Oh, 100%. The movie just, would have looked like an idiot. The, yeah, the, and it even does later on, like in, in Half-Blood Prince, when Harry tries to go after Snape by himself. I'm not going to get any further than that, but, like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that mm -hmm. just, just, it made no sense in the, the way the movie put that together. Um, mm -hmm. And then another difference is, like, when they brought Pettigrew back to, like, human form, how did Peter Pettigrew have clothes? He was a rat that was a naked rat. Like, all of a sudden, he's got full clothes on when he... When he I don't understand that mm -hmm. at all. Um, they didn't chain him to Lupin and Ron like they were supposed to. Like, all of a sudden, Definitely. like, they all come out. And then uh, he starts... Yeah, the full moon comes down. He starts changing. 
Peter Pettigrew grabs the wand, and but he doesn't knock out Ronnie, doesn't knock out Crookshanks like he's supposed to in the book. Harry just disarms him. Remember? What happened? Honestly, here's a plot hole right here just for the movie. In their <laughs> own scene by scene, it didn't even make any sense. Because when he disarmed Peter Pettigrew and said Expelliarmus, did Peter Pettigrew get knocked out unconscious? No. So why did Severus Snape get knocked out unconscious by Harry saying Expelliarmus? That makes oh, yeah. no sense. Like, he just disarmed Snape and knocked him out, but he just disarmed Peter Pettigrew two minutes later, and he just Pettigrew just lost the wand. And then he transformed into the rat and ran away. How do you yeah. defend that? How do you defend it? Oh, yeah, Snape, what, on top of that, I was going to say, like, remember in the, we're not there yet, so we'll get there, but in the um, book, in the film, when, uh, in the film, when, like, Remus is changing into the werewolf, and all this stuff is going down, and, and Sirius attacks Remus, like, Snape, like, tells the kids, like, get behind me, like, so you're thinking, oh, that's a really awesome moment for Snape to step up to the plate, well, your ass is supposed to be knocked out. <laughs> so, like, why are you? Even You're doing right. That? That's exactly right. That's actually that was my next one. Is Snape was not conscious to see that transformation in the book. He was not conscious. He was yeah, dude, weird. Like, I just want to know how they can straight up tell me, from scene to scene, Harry single-handedly disarms Snape with the same spell and knocks Snape clean out, uses the same spell against Peter Pettigrew. A weak little man who's got no magical talent. And Peter Pettigrew is like, oh, there goes my wand. Well, I guess I'll be a rat now and run away. But when, <laughs> yeah. it's, when it's Snape, no, he gets knocked out into the, the bed. Okay, whatever. That's stupid. Right. Yeah. Then, I thought uh, the bed was kind of cool. <laughs> like, it's so <laughs> dumb, though. Like, I just, you, you can't, ugh. that That never would have happened. We all know that never would have happened. The movie... It like, never would have happened. Basically, yeah. basically, what that movie just tried to show us is Peter Pettigrew is a better wizard than Snape, which is preposterous. <laughs> like, like that's, <laughs> a, that's the dumbest thing. Because they did the same thing to the same person, like to each person. It was the same exact one. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, see, I got my wand here for the people who are uh, watching us on YouTube. If you're on audio, I'll grab my wand. Ready, guys? Expelliarmus. Snape by himself. Boom. Knocked out into the bed. Here we go again, two minutes later, Harry, Expelliarmus. Oh, and Peter Pettigrew? Just lost my wand. I'm still good, though. Like, what in the world? Someone explain that to me, man. You, Makes you keep... no sense to me. I'll let you take a couple from here, because I got frustrated. <laughs> oh, you're good. <laughs> um, which is sad, because it's like most of my differences are frustration. <laughs> like, I wish there was like, oh, man, I could say, like, this was cooler at this moment. Which I guess is like a kid, right? Like, we thought it was so cool because we were kids. And like I like we're saying here, you know, I hate to even say this is just being picky because this is major problems. Yeah. Like, I don't want to say, like, it's Rise of Skywalker bad because it's not, I guess. But, like, still, like, you're just cutting out, like, major points. Even if you got to make cuts, like, you can't even reference it. Come on now. So, uh, but I do got a, a few here. So... Um, just jump in a little bit back because some we um, just ones we kind of missed like you said you know there was no backstory at all on the Marauders map uh, the big one I wanted to bring up here was uh, in Snape's like when Harry's brought into Snape's office like when they start you know talking back to Snape and making jokes that like never happens in the film that entire scene where like Ron busts in yeah, you know, Lupin takes the map. 
none of that ever the closest thing that they had to that um, was when the map was like uh, tell Professor Snape to keep his abnormally large nose out of business. That was in the hallway when they had like the the Lumos thing lit. That was the only thing that happened between the map and Snape, where like yeah, in, in the like you said in the books, like each one of them took a turn disrespecting and like throwing insults at Snape. Like yeah, mm-hmm. dude, really, really, exactly, yeah, a hundred percent. The unregistered Animagi were like never brought up at all. Good point. <laughs> like never brought up at all. Great point. Like, not even gonna reference that. There's no point apparently. Um, and, uh, did want to say, okay, uh, as far as, like, we might not be that far yet. Let me make sure. Um, yeah, well, I put also, of course, the Marauders and Amagus is, like, you know, were never mentioned, because, you know, we talked about that a minute ago. Um, you know, it was never mentioned about James Potter and Prong, so I'll just bring that up now. I didn't want to really jump that far, but I guess it doesn't really matter because yeah. it's just omitted. So just yeah. throwing that out there, it's just omitted <laughs> entirely. Also, Sirius's escape. Like, where was that? Like, no one ever heard about it. No one even knows how he escaped. He just appears as a dog in the Shrieking Shack. <laughs> so... Never heard of that one. And that was, like, one of the coolest parts of the book. That's a good point. They, I didn't even write that down. That's a great point, bro. Like, they never explained how Sirius escaped from Azkaban in the first place. That's something that would absolutely be cool to see, like, a flashback of him actually doing it. That been, yeah. All it takes 10 seconds to add that. Like, all they do is a flashback in his mind. You see the bars in the cell. The Dementors go to feed him. He slips out as a dog. And you see him paddling in, like, the ocean. And that's it. Like, honestly, yeah. it doesn't take very much. Like, that, yeah, I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. Wouldn't be hard at all. And uh, just a quick difference, of course, when they, like, force Pettigrew out of Scabbers. Like, in, like, the film, they made it seem cool because he was, like, running across the piano and then he, like, jumps and in midair, he's, like, not a rat anymore. And the book, it was entirely different. Like, he's, like, writhing, coming out of his, like, rat form. They made it, like, try to seem, like, so cool that he, like, like remember the old show Animorphs? Yes, <laughs> like, I they, do. Yeah, wow. I've like, heard that the in a anime while. guy. Yeah, became an animorph. Like he just like morphed into like a human like mid dive. I'm literally saying mid Olympic dive halfway through the air, Michael Phelps style turned into a human being. So, I, I guess I can buy it. I I don't, I don't really know. I don't I don't know. I felt like I was watching the Mouse Hunters movie all over again <laughs> through that scene. Uh, remember that the '90s, man. That's VHS. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Back to you, Jay Nelly. All right, so I'll, I'm just gonna touch on this one because I wanted to say a couple more things about it. The full moon and how, like, when Lupin started changing his transformation, and like you said, Snape put the kids behind him. In the book, Snape was not conscious for the transformation of Lupin, so this is something they just mm-hmm. decided to add for him to see that transformation. And when Sirius and Lupin were fighting. It was like a quick thing in the books. Yes, it was described really cool about the net, like the, like the jaws flaring at each other, like a little scratch on the nose. But like they mm-hmm. took it like super super far. They made it look like Lupin was about to kill Sirius. Like I literally said, like on the side note, I said this is a big clusterfuck. Like literally, oh, yeah, it's definitely. just definitely it's just all bad because remember he doesn't keep fighting Lupin into the forest. He gets Lupin like away enough, and then Harry's like. 
Sirius, you know, Pettigrew ran, and then like Sirius turns back, like he or, like he um, runs after Scabbers as the dog chasing Scabbers. Like that's what happens in the book. He doesn't chase after Scabbers. Scabbers just like just disappears. We never see him again for the rest of the movie. Like that's it. Like he, he that that's all like that happens. And, and like and Hermione wasn't down there with them. Like like and, like remember when that he follows Sirius after like Sirius kind of almost gets killed by Lupin and. He like falls down into like the lake area. Well, in the book, Hermione was with them, and he was trying to help Hermione help me cast these Patronus arms to fend off these Dementors. She just wasn't there in the movie. It's just Harry and Sirius, um, and they actually flip flopped because they <laughs> messed it up. Because because when we talk about it in just a little bit, when we go back in time here shortly, on the opposite side of the bank, Harry is by himself in the book. But in the movie, yeah. he's got Hermione with him on the opposite side of the bank. Why would you do that? You messed it up, man. They messed it up. Had an um, ass backwards. Just like 100% ass backwards, baby. <laughs> Had an yeah. ass backwards. Then I also saw, like, when when we, when, like, the soul's coming out of Sirius's mouth, I thought that was pretty cool. That little tiny, like, orb of uh, glow, the glow was coming out of his mouth, like, the soul was leaving his body. I thought that was pretty cool. But then, like, when the big Patronus was cast and you see the, the blinding light of the stag on the other side, it's supposed to charge at the Dementors. And it just didn't. It stood there, and then, like, a, like a shield of, like, silver just blew at them and knocked the Dementors away. It was supposed to, like, an animal charge them and then go back to, to you know, what we yeah. thought was Harry's dad at the time. We figure out who it's actually Harry, right? So that's just another difference there. Then when we they wake up in the hospital wing, like what what's the first thing that they said in the book? You hear Cornelius Fudge congratulating Snape on a great job, and like telling him he's gonna get the Order of Merlin second class, first class if he can manage it. Like they're just not there. It's just Dumbledore walks into the hospital wing out of nowhere. Like oh, yeah. what in yeah, the it just world? Shows up randomly. Then like Hermione is the one again. This is another part where I tell you they try to push Hermione on you. They tried to get her, like, you know, more things. Like, she's the one that tells everyone in the movie that the Dementors, like, they suck out your soul. Where that's actually, we hear about that way, way long ago with Lupin in the book talks to Harry about that. Because remember when he's like, uh, well, you know, some people deserve that. And, and Lupin's like, do you really think anyone deserves that? And, like, you know what I mean? So, like, so yeah. why would Hermione be the one educating everyone on Dementors? Like, you know, when it's really not her? Well, yeah, they just want to keep pushing her character, right? Uh, also, when they go back in time, the difference here, they didn't start the hospital wing. They started at the entrance hall when they went back in time. They went back in time, and they were in the entrance hall. They had to find a closet to hide into before themselves came down and walked out the front door. Now, like, in in the movie, they're in the hospital wing. Like, what? <laughs> what are we doing? Then, they said that it's 7.30 was the time that Buckbeak was on, uh, was on trial for... And this was the movie. This is like a plot hole for the movie. Also, it was a plot hole in the book too. I already mentioned it last week. But he said 7:30 was the time. Well, in the in the books, it says it's five minutes to midnight. And now, if you go back three hours, I'm not a mathematician, but three hours from midnight does not equal 7:30. <laughs> it does not equal 7:30. I'm just gonna throw that out there, and you guys can watch the movie to try to tell me I'm wrong. You guys will hear him say specifically. 7:30 was the na- was the time, and guess what? Five minutes to midnight. Let's say let's just round up to midnight, just for argument's sake. Subtract three hours. They go back in time. You know what? What is it? Uh, 11, 
10, 9. Hmm, 9 and 7.30 are not the same time. So <laughs> I just wanted to uh, put that out there. And then Hermione, yeah. of course, and I knew this was going to happen. I wrote it down before I even saw it happen in the movie because I had a feeling. Hermione in, in the movie is the one to make the connection that they need to save, save Buckbeak as well as Sirius. Where in the book, Harry is like, I get it. We need to save Buckbeak too. Like That's what he meant by saving two lives. But no, in the movie, it's got to be all-knowing Hermione is the one that goes ahead and, <laughs> and spills that secret. Like She's the one that found it out because she's just the best thing since sliced bread, according to the person who directed this film. So... Then yeah, I'll, I'll turn it over. I'll turn it over <laughs> to you. I, in parentheses, I put in huge eye roll because it annoy <laughs> it annoys me. But I, I'm throwing it back to you, man. Take take some of these differences. Oh, I loved it. I thought she was great. <clears throat> uh, sorry, I'm getting choked over here. Um, <laughs> Malice in the Chalice, off to the pit of misery. You know what I was thinking though, and then I'm gonna bring up a few more. You know, it's like now that I've watched these movies more, right? We Everyone rags on season eight of Game of Thrones. <laughs> I get it. Plot holes are huge in season eight of Game of Thrones and a lot of things didn't go the way we wanted it to. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm still choked up over here. Here we go. Because this shit I was watching just sends me off a ladder. Falls off the ladder. Like this entire plot arc that they did here's my issue you literally have it <laughs> you have a script basically written out for you where you can't make plot holes and you do people rag on game of thrones but it wasn't even written yet so i get that and at the same time <clears throat> bending off and wise yes made some massive ass mistakes i i agree 100 on that but like say if they made harry potter and the script was written right there here's my question like i guess i i guess we would still because now it's brought more to my attention now that i've really gone back through these films would you really rank these harry potter films higher because now that we're going back through the damn things and here's the catch i haven't really gone back through goblet uh Phoenix, Half-Blood Prince, and Hallows yet. We're about to do those later. So maybe I'll be corrected. But just what I've been seeing from these first three films, like, it's, it's like they were given everything on a platter, and I get it, you gotta make cuts. But you, these films, just like you said, their bread and butter is not writing. Their writing is the book, down to a T these films bread and butter is they're just throwing some michael bay shit out there like my favorite part of the film was lupin's eyes started dilating they used to do that back in 70s horror films like i don't know man so just throwing it out there my thoughts on that everyone has a right to disagree i've just been so surprised because when you're a kid everything seems like it it's much more i guess developed i would say um so going back to Hermione kind of and Harry and when taking a step back here when like Lupin turns into the werewolf one thing they did throw in the film which was I thought it was a cool ad but it didn't really make sense why was like Lupin like chases them down 
remember like the werewolves like sniff sniffing them out and stuff like they tried to pull the whole basculus thing again like you're trying to pull the same shit and make it work but at the same time that really develops a plot hole because why the hell are you like on top of that going to the time turner thing since we're in that spot that's what i'm talking about here why would you want like him to like try to chase you down like remember when she howls at it and it like comes that way i know it was like to save harry's life but that was never even in the book so like why do you have to make that route so that was the difference there um also like in the book they're very specific like we were saying uh last episode you know they're very specific to make sure they don't interact with each other but yeah hermione's over here throwing rocks at harry's head and busting jars and like i said like she saw like herself and was like does my hair look that good or whatever and she howls at the werewolf like you're specifically making it a point to not interact with these things like so you can't come up with another way to distract harry is my argument with that uh i just don't get it it just opens up huge plot holes i thought it was cool don't get me wrong i thought the werewolf like sniffing around and stuff i would be terrified but i didn't buy it um <clears throat> when they get back from the time turner like you said uh here's one was dumbledore like acts like he has no idea what they're talking about like he's like what 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 are you talking about when harry it was like harry he was like we did it or something and he's like what are you talking about he said did no what idea. yeah he said did, did what, what? Yeah. which is yeah, like that's right did what Whereas but he did books, it on purpose he yeah he did it on purpose but i know what you're saying because it is different in in the book but like it was one of those things where it's like but you didn't hear you didn't hear it from me and you're like hear what from you you know what i mean yeah, like it's one of yeah, those type like of deals that. like yeah yeah uh just a couple other things i had so percy's girlfriend is never mentioned at all i mean i i get it like it's not that big of a deal so i wasn't too bothered with that um let me see if i had anything else here that was major because i tried to like i'm sure there's things we can be nitpicky on but these were just ones that were really huge so um that's all i really have for that <laughs> i i mean it's tough because i like was really i don't know like i guess like in my mind i kept thinking oh this is the movie like this is the one everything's gonna be fantastic and like each one i'm finding these huge plot holes but i don't know i, I mean i'll tell you <clears throat> i will rank it above the other two but I'll let you uh, start it off with the rankings. Well, let me finish up with some differences here, too, because I do have some ones that maybe people consider major, maybe they consider them nitpicky, but to me, if it's not the same, I'm going to point it out. Uh, <laughs> so when we're back into like this time turner, they're, they're back in time, right? Um, like With Hermione throwing those rocks or snail shells where they were, like, how is she, like, super accurate? Like, where did Hermione learn how to throw? Like, immediately hits what she's looking for, hits the vase, and then hits Harry in the back of the head, like, two for two. Like, she's just, she's just an, like, an all-pro pitcher. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I, I yeah. thought that was interesting. <laughs> uh, then another one, and actually, you brought it up to me. It might be something you forgot to write down. But Hermione oh, yeah. lures Buckbeak out with the ferret in the movie, where oh, like yeah, that's right. With mm -hmm. like you know in yeah. the book that they just kept pulling on the thing and finally got him to come. Um, mm -hmm. And then when they uh, 
when they come out to make the execution, remember, like, there was an old man that was with them, too. Not just the executioner, McNair. There was also an old man in the book, and he just wasn't there. They just decided he wasn't important, which is fine. That's not, <laughs> that's not terribly, yeah. like, that's something that I'm, me, I am nitpicking there. But remember, it was McNair in the book that says, search the grounds. And her Dumbledore was like, well, why would you search the grounds? If they get away, they're going to fly. Search the skies if you want, but I want tea or maybe brandy. Well, it was actually Fudge in the movie that says search the grounds. Like, Fudge in the book, it was portrayed like he didn't really want to be there. It was, like, unpleasant business. Where in the movie, it seemed like he really wanted to kill this hippogriff. So, like, mm-hmm. that's just not how it was really supposed to be portrayed there. Um, <laughs> then uh, another one, I actually, you, you mentioned it to me before, and I, I had written it down. Is when uh, Mac Nair swings that axe, that really cool axe. He hits a pumpkin in the movie versus the fence yeah. in That's the right. book. You know, but to your point, when you said this last week, that axe was badass. It was really cool. I liked how it looked. The guy did not look like he was supposed to be characterized the way he was. Like he's supposed to be like a, like a broad man with a mustache. Like you know, just and he, he looked just looked like, like an old man. Yeah, he did. He looked like a homeless something. guy that like get, was given an axe. Like, yeah, it was weird. Um, <laughs> then, like, this is another thing. When they went back in time, we get to see how Lupin goes into the Whomping Willow. He uses an Immobilis charm. He's like, Immobilis! And, like, the whole Whomping Willow freezes. I'm sorry, that's not how it works. Like, you can only stop the Whomping Willow by touching a knot. And so what he did is he, with magic, picked up a stick and made a zoom <laughs> and hit the knot, like, mm-hmm. in the book. Which that's makes a, a lot more sense. Yeah. Like, no, you don't just be like, just a charm. All right, Immobilis, there you go. All branches stop moving. <laughs> it's a it's a docile tree now. We're all good. Yeah. Then, um, like you were saying with Hermione howling like a wolf, that just never happened in the book. That's just something they added ad-lib. Like, that was something that they just put together out of their own. I don't know where that came from. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. I feel like there was a lot of things they could have done to figure out that situation. You know, or not even be in that situation because <laughs> in the book, like it's not what happened. He just barreled off into the forest, like yeah. you know. But if you're gonna, I guess when you're gonna set it up that way, you've got to figure out a way to get out of it. Maybe it's supposed to add drama to it. I don't know. I didn't love it. It sounded kind of silly. Like you think her making a howling noise is gonna make a werewolf about to make its kill and sink blood into its teeth. He's gonna hear a noise, be like, oh wait, I'm done. You're right. Let me go chase that noise. What? <laughs> like, like, like <laughs> I, I, I don't 100%. know, man. Like, just yeah. really silly. Um, also, this part was ridiculous, too. Buckbeak fighting off the werewolf. That's not... That's just stupid. Oh, yeah, that's a huge like, one. That what never in, happened. What in the world was that? Like, Buckbeak stands in front of Hermione and Harry and, like, gets, like, looping out of there. Like, so he flashes his talons, beats its wings, like, fake fights it or whatever. Like, maybe have a little quick tussle, then, like, the, the werewolf runs off. Like, and, what, like what the heck was that? He- in whose universe would I? And don't get me wrong, I love Buckbeak. Maybe no, I'm with you. Like flown away or something. That's the next thing I was gonna say. I'm with you. Say it. I'm with you. In whose universe would a hippogriff beat a werewolf? Not a real one. A werewolf. <laughs> I literally a werewolf. like. <clears throat> this is funny because for one of our, we've been putting out promos and stuff, and one of our promos last week, I actually went into Pottermore.com to find the textbook on magical creatures and on the page that says werewolves it said anywhere from 100 to 500 pounds and runs 50 to 60 miles per hour like you think this hippogriff is that that is half a body of a horse is gonna stop a werewolf 
Werewolf fucking eats the horse, first of all. Yes. The only thing I think is gonna happen, hopefully, is the hippogriff gets to fly away. I, I, I just, I really doubt it would ever step in the way to save them, and much less save them with their talons. Like, yeah, I don't 100%. Know, thoughts? Yeah, my thoughts are, if it did step in to try to save them, all it would do is give them time to get away because that thing was dying. That thing getting got <laughs> that hippogriff getting in the way of that werewolf, you're dying. Like, cool, you want you want to show some loyalty, awesome, but you're not making it out of that confrontation. Like, let alone <laughs> let alone like backing the werewolf up. Like, that's just it. That's stupid. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just it's just. Oh my gosh, this is sad. It really is it's, sad. Uh, it really is. I got a couple more. I think I got three more, and then we'll give our rankings for what we thought about it. Um, remember when they were like, this is another thing I was talking about when they're back at, down by the lake, Hermione's not supposed to be with Harry when he cast the big Patronus for the that last time. She's supposed to be in Hagrid's with Buckbeak while he's out there checking to see, you know, how they know it's time to go get Sirius from the tower. And then he ends up running there because he realizes he's the one that's got to cast it because he did it before. He thought he saw his dad. He saw himself. Hermione was never with him that time. So I thought that was annoying that they decided that she needed to be there. Um... Now, they actually took quotes that they that was meant for other characters and gave them to different ones in the movie. Albus Dumbledore is the one that gives Harry the, uh, do you ever really think the ones that truly we love ever truly leave us? That was Dumbledore in the book. The other one, like when he says, it made no difference, it made all the difference in the world. That was Dumbledore in the book. They gave that to Professor Lupin in the movie. Literally. Sirius gives Harry the... The ones we love never truly leaves a speech. And then the, all the difference in the world speech came from Lupin in the movie, where it's supposed to be for Dumbledore in the book. Then the last one that I have is the one that's the most, one of the most silly. It's the last day of the school year, and the firebolt arrives for Harry with, oh, a, with a feather from Buckbeak, letting him know that Sirius is the one that gave him the firebolt. No Quidditch Cup final, no Oliver Wood, no House Cup getting, like, no no train with Sirius's letter saying, you know, uh, I give you permission to visit Hogsmeade, like, telling him that he was, like, none of that. You're telling me that we're gonna, we're just gonna accept the fact that you're gonna give a guy, a, a kid a broomstick on the last day of school? What in the world is that, man? So that was my last difference, my last, my last difference that I have. And one thing that I think would be really cool... Actually, I'll save it for after we do the rankings before we sign off. I'll, I'll, I'll save my this little piece for a little bit later. So that's my last difference. There's a lot of them between the books and the movies. Bro, give me on a scale of 1 to 10 where you think the book ranks and then where you think the film ranks. I'll do the same. And I'll also give my little other piece here that I save in and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll move on from Azkaban, bro. Yeah, no worries, man. And uh, I was just going to say one little other difference was there was no Al for Ron. Right, yeah. To get the owl, any of that. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, and we're doing scale of 1 to 10. Like 1 to 10, do. like always. <laughs> Rank the book or the film first? Which one are we doing first? Whatever you... Uh, let's say let's do the book first. Do the book first. Book. Start on a good note and then, <laughs> and then end it on, on the bad one, right? Yeah. Um, the book, man. I love the book. Uh and the detail was phenomenal of course i had a little bit of issues with the time turner but you know we discussed last episode you know uh jk rowling owned up 
to that. So I was okay with that. I'd give, you know, I'd give the book a nine. I'd give the book a solid nine. I mean, I didn't really have any major problems with it. I thought it was creative and interesting the way she went about it, especially with the whole werewolf side and you didn't fall into the trap of just bringing vampires. Um, you made it interesting with uh, definitely uh, as far as developing a plot for giving Voldemort like that time where like he's not the main character and you brought in something else and you're able to develop uh, more characters and relationships out of it. Overall, the book... I gave it a nine. I, I thought it was great. I thought it was fantastic. Um, <laughs> the movie, man. Uh, I wanted to give it a nine before I watched it. <laughs> I wanted to. Um, mm, is it Rise of Skywalker bad? That's what I'm asking myself. Like, I hate to put it down there that uh, uh, <laughs> you know it's bad when you're debating whether or not to even pass it um the visuals were really cool i gotta give the visuals props i mean it did somewhat follow the story i gotta say i mean i guess like the characters are growing older <laughs> so I guess that's cool. Um, they did put the Shrieking Shack in it at one point. I guess that's positive. Uh, little touches here and there. I'll give it... I'll give it a 7 because that's a 70. So I passed it. A 7. A seven. I'll give it a 7. Alright, so you said you. for the book you gave it a 9. For the movie you gave it a 7. Alright. Yeah. For me... I'm, I always I tend to be, I wouldn't say like a tough grader. I just, I, because I point out so many things of flaws and everything. Not that I tried to, but it's kind of like our job to kind of get in the nitty gritty of it. And I remember, I, you know, last week I pointed out a lot of really good plot holes that's like you don't really think about until you realize, oh crap, like what, what about this? So for the book, mm -hmm. because there were towards the end some pretty strong questions of, you know that this doesn't make sense given what you gave us speaking to the author i'm going to give prisoner of azkaban the book an 8.5 out of 10 okay when we go to the movie the only reason it's getting a score this high from me and it's not and it's not high at all i'm telling you guys are going to be like wow you're you're a jerk but like it's the truth that's how i feel right i give it what i give it so it's getting this high for me because i like the way it, Aunt Marge blew up and kind of went out into the sky. I liked when they came on, the Dementors came on to the Hogwarts Express and the ice came and froze his glass on the next to the windowsill and the sill kind of coming up. I liked, uh, you know, like I thought it was silly, but like that Quidditch match when that guy got struck by lightning, it still looked cool when it happened. The little battle between the werewolf and, you know, the Animagus dog was pretty nice. Like, I mean, it, it was small. But, like, it was interesting at the same time. <laughs> Those are the things that were redeeming about it. But for the fact that it missed just about everything of importance, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm giving the film a six. Uh, six out of ten. So, okay. a flat I mean, six. That's a, <clears throat> no, that's acceptable because that's 
Only one below me. I thought you were gonna give it like a three or something. No, I've got him. I'm gonna put it above Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, but it's not. It's not great. It's a yeah. It's a six for me. Um, the other thing I was gonna say too, and what I think they should really do, because we, you actually gave me this idea on accident when you were just going talking about how you know yeah with um Benioff and Weiss for Game of Thrones and how they had the blueprint to make out the like you know the books for each one of the episodes in the series like I would love to see them make a HBO Harry Potter series instead of just awesome. movies where you have to do it all in two and a half hours give us 45 minute episodes 10 45 minute episodes and include all the detail and make it look super cool make it look like what we visualize in the book because I'll tell you what from the most part at least you know from what I've read through the books of Game of Thrones they did a really good job of like seasons one through five of making it like very 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 similar there were some things they missed out obviously you can't put in everything but those were more things that were acceptable for me than what they're missing out on the movies for Harry Potter as of right now so I would love to see them make like a a 10 season 10 episode per season HBO series on Harry Potter I hope they do it in the future man what do you think I think it'd be awesome because not even uh, just from like the detail of visuals and stuff and getting events <clears throat> that are significant to take place. Uh, think of even like the relationships with people. Like as far as, especially we're going to get into this, like this is one of the reasons I love Order of the Phoenix so much. But like the different relationships, like think of how many TV shows, that's like a big part of it. Like they change from, you know, one girl this guy liked or one guy this girl liked like we're gonna go into one big relationship with uh, our girl hermione coming up in this book uh that you know or <laughs> some people don't really like very much um I-, I mean just that different thing it really would allow the characters to grow over yes. time too just like like game of thrones like you're saying one reason we loved game of thrones so much was because think about it it took nine years really because you had that year gap off there with the last season really like nine full years for it to develop like you know just watching danny like that was one big thing of her you saw her grow whereas like i I give it they definitely made her have a bigger role in season one than like the game of thrones book but you gotta i you gotta keep people interested but uh, even just from the TV show part, like seeing her grow into her role to where she's at now, uh, I think it would be fantastic. I think I think doing a Harry Potter TV show would be absolutely amazing. Now, like Netflix, they did a series of unfortunate events that had a problem because they did that one kind of ridiculous movie with Jim Carrey covering three books. And then they like dragged this thing on and tried to make it more of like a musical when they did the TV show. You can't do that. Like if you're going to make it a TV show, you need to do it just like Game of Thrones did it. Like you try to stay very strict to the books. The only time Game of Thrones really deviated was when they didn't have anything to... <clears throat> Sorry, still choked up here. Well, there, was uh, a, there was other things in there too, but you know, like Lady Stoneheart was something that was huge in the books that just right, didn't happen okay. in the... Yeah, like, that's you know. true. But, but for the most part, the like, like plot. yeah, exactly. The main plot's the same. Like, yeah, the I'm main plot is what I'm talking about. I mean, it wasn't really until season five. Season four was pretty close, I think. Um, yeah, season four was pretty close. Uh, 
yeah, it wasn't really until season five they started to deviate. So, but my point being, I, I think, uh, I think it would be a great idea. I hope that's something that they yeah. can pitch because I, I honestly think it would probably come out better than the films. And you know, it's something that I don't think anyone would be against it. Like, there no one's like these movies are so treasured you can't do anything different than that. Like, I really would like to see. It. I think they could do a lot better job. I think that you know because we are expecting them to cram in, you know, seven books worth of stuff into eight movies but movies are only two and a half hours long if you think about a 10 episode per season you know and each of them 45 minutes long you know you're already over two and a half hours four episodes in right so like you've got six more episodes that can keep compounding on all those things like you said Mm -hmm. to develop relationships build character progression all of that good stuff so it's hard to do it in a two and a half hour film i get it but there's just certain things that you can't leave out that the Harry Potter series has been leaving out so far in the movies, and I, that's just where I'll leave it at for for that for myself. I don't know if you want anything else or you think uh, think you're good, man. Um. Well, where would you rank it? Rank the books how you would compare it to Chamber of Secrets and Sorcerer's Stone, and then rank the movies for that. Well, that's that's the thing, right? Because like we can always go back and listen to the numbers that we gave on our past differences episodes. I think for, um, what was it for Chamber of Secrets? I what I give it a seven point eight or like an eight point two? I don't remember. Like so, I mean, obviously it's it's. I'd have to go back and listen to exactly what I gave because I didn't I didn't have it written down. Um, but it's above well, Sorcerer's. Mean, so right yeah. now, right here it is. Like it starts like this. It like, honestly goes by book. Sorcerer's Stone, Chamber of Secrets, uh, and Prisoner of Azkaban for the books. In the movies, though, Chamber of Secrets was my least favorite, then Sorcerer's Stone, then Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay. See, for me, actually, Chamber of Secrets, the book, I'd rank it above Azkaban. So, for me, it goes Chamber of Secrets, which this isn't, of course, my final rankings or anything. Well, now I'm interested to see it because, like, I remember I don't I don't think you gave Chamber above a nine on our last differences episode, the book. I don't think you gave it above a nine, so I'm interested well, to go back and listen. Unless you're changing your mind now, once you've read after you've read the, maybe that's a. Yeah, well, keep in mind this is my favorite rankings. Like what I based it off my rankings is as far as detail and as how good of a book it is, as far as like whether it's like my favorite or not. Like, I just feel like there's parts in Chamber of Secrets that are faster than Azkaban with the petrifying and stuff. So that's why I would put, as far as the books, Chamber of Secrets, Azkaban, Sorcerer's Stone. But then as far as the movies, I would put Azkaban, Sorcerer's Stone, (laughs) Chamber of Secrets last. But, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're both just really good books. Like, it's hard to say. I think Azkaban, I would rank it higher as a better book because there's more detail in the creative spin they put on it. However, personally, I thought the whole idea with Chamber of Secrets and how fast uh, J.K. Rowling made it move um, was a really good... I mean, I just wasn't expecting it for a second book. Like, we knew Azkaban was our I will say this. Part. Yeah, I will say this for Chamber of Secrets. She fit a lot of detail in a small book. Like, that was impressive mm-hmm. to do all that in, like, 320 pages. Like, that was pretty cool. But. Yeah. One thing you were saying, too, the other day to me, um, I don't know 
where you can find this you were telling me about it like they thought about making like a, a snape prequel with adam driver from like star wars oh yeah so so you know not to get too far ahead of, of ourselves like when we talk about you know snape and like his past life and like like what he did like growing up but uh it was just some sort of like fan like what they wanted to see it wasn't anything official it wasn't anything that's but to my knowledge that's actually in the works but I, I came across like an article that like a fan had written stating that like they think it would be really cool if Adam Driver played like a young Snape and we got to see him throughout his young years after graduating Hogwarts and like how he came into the service. Uh, well, shoot, I can't, I can't say it yet because yeah, we haven't well, gotten there be, in our books. We'll be in there in a so, long time. But, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm glad I caught myself there. But uh, basically, the the path that Snape takes from when he leaves. Uh, Hogwarts when he comes back as a teacher, uh, I'll, I, that's basically what I'll say. But Which um, would be really cool. <laughs> really it would be really awesome cool. I'm I'm yeah. down for that. Obviously, my biggest thing I've always wanted to see, and it's interesting because like I think this is where you and I differ for because you said the same thing in Game of Thrones as well. Um, you know, you would prefer to see what what they're gonna do in terms of the very beginning in terms of Aegon's conquest. Or me, I wanted to see Robert's yeah. Rebellion. Same sort of deal. Yeah. Like you want to yeah. see the major four founders: Godric Gryffindor, Salazar, Slytherin, like Rowena Wavenclaw, and Helga Hufflepuff. I want to see the Marauders. I want to see James, Sirius, Lupin, <laughs> and Pettigrew. Yeah. So it's it's really funny how you know, you like you like to start at the very beginning. I like the ones that <laughs> like set. I like the ones that set up right before what we get the big story from. That, that's what yeah. I like. How it all Which came about. Probably. But. Oh yeah, they'll probably screw us both though, because just like Game of oh, Thrones, yeah. they're doing House oh, yeah. of Dragon. <laughs> So the Targaryen yeah. Civil War, which is literally right in between when you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's awesome. all part of it. But, yeah, this has been a – I mean, we're really still fun. keeping this Hogwarts train rolling, man. I mean, we got a long way to go. So this is when we're going to uh, – this is when we separate – the starters from the ones that ride the pine so yeah that's man, true you man close us out here mm-hmm. i sure will absolutely because like you said you know these this is the last of the quote-unquote small books it's all uphill from here yes half-blood prince might not have as many pages but it's got just as much if not more detail as the rest of them so it's all yeah. uphill from here man like we've finished the uh we, we've officially hit like that uh you know, you're no longer playing the video game on easy mode, right? Now we've bu- we've yeah. bumped up a level, so uh, I'll <laughs> leave that here for today because you know this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy, sign, sign off. off.